Thank you, Kate. My name's Andrew Conrad. If I haven't gotten to meet you yet, I would enjoy doing that. Uh, maybe after the service, not in the rain, but just in the lobby there. Um, if you are new or visiting with us, we do encourage you to fill out a Connect card, um, and uh, you can get those in the uh, in the lobby, uh, or uh, you can scan the QR code that was on the screen earlier, um, and you may find some in the backs of your seats. Um, and just so you know, if you are uh, new or visiting with us, we don't have Sunday school for the summer. We're kind of on a Sunday school hiatus. It gives teachers rest, says families be together and hang together, but also says to the church, let's fellowship together, which today is going to be hard to do in the rain, but we'll hang in here for as long as you want. Um, and uh, we want to be encouraging to one another in those ways. Um, today in our sermon series on holy living with future hope, we're starting into 2 Thessalonians. So we finished 1 Thessalonians, we're coming into 2 Thessalonians, and Paul writes this second letter because he has heard reports shortly after he wrote the first letter. So this comes pretty soon after, not, not a long amount of time. For example, in, in chapter 2, we'll see next week, in verse 2, that there's a fake news report. There's a fake news report that has come out to the people in the church in Thessalonica uh, claiming that the day of the Lord or the return of Jesus has already happened. Probably because there's a lot of suffering that's going on and they think, oh no, he already came and now the suffering's happening and we missed out. What do we do? Was it worth it? And then in chapter 3, there's another question that, that has arisen in verse 11 about idleness that has taken hold um, with people. And so people have quit working. Um, and they've become dependent on wealthier folks saying, you should take care of my needs. Um, why did they quit? We don't know exactly. Paul doesn't say. Maybe it's because of the persecution and it's just overbearing and they've lost their job. Or maybe it's because they thought they missed out on Jesus' return and they're like, ah, what's the point now? I'm not doing anything in life. We, we don't know. But we know that there's some people that are not working. And so here we find our introduction into 2 Thessalonians in chapter 1 to see what Paul says. The scriptures tell us that all men are like the grass of the fields, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. So let's read from the word of our God. First Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of Thessalonians, of the Thessalonians in God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. I'm just going to pause for a second. Did that seem like it was long and kind of just going on? That's, in Greek, that was one sentence. Now he goes to his next thing. Verse 11. 
With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this, that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you will um, be present among us today by the power of your spirit, that you would impress upon us the enduring nature of your word, its power for our life, for the way we think, the way we feel, and what we do. Use it to shape us, to guide us, that we may live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I recently watched, rewatched um, the uh, a miniseries called Band of Brothers. It was originally, I think, done in 2001. Um, about World War II, specifically about Easy Company of the 101st Airborne, and it, it tracks them from their training in North Georgia mountains to the Normandy invasion all the way to the end of World War II. They faced fierce opposition. They lost a lot of men. They were at times discouraged and afraid uh, or wanting to quit, or some did quit. But through all that, they had some good leaders. A couple of them were Captain Winters and Sergeant Lipton, and they were good leaders, not just for their bravery, but because of their love for the men, to encourage them when they faced significant opposition, to carry on in the face of the enemy, to keep together even in the hardest of times. And at the end of that uh, miniseries, the real Carwood Lipton, who has since passed, quotes from Shakespeare's Henry V, and he says this, from this day to the ending of the world, we in it shall be remembered. We lucky few, we band of brothers. It's a powerful series, a powerful film because they stayed together in it. They were a band of brothers. Why does Paul write this second letter after he already wrote one? I mean, he was there. He left, he's on, he's on to the next place. Why does he do that? Because he cares about them. He loves them. They are his band of brothers and sisters. And he is encouraging them to carry on in the face of whatever persecution they may be facing. And they were. It said they were as we read it. The persecution they're facing is likely twofold. One is from the Jewish people. We know this from, you'd have to go back and listen to the first sermon of this series, but when we looked at Acts and what happened as Paul went to Thessalonica and the riot that started because the Jews started up and the Jews didn't like Paul and what they were saying about Jesus. So, so you've got some, some loyalist Jews who don't like the way of Jesus and the Jesus followers who they see as like a sect or a cult of their religion and they don't want him and so they stir up riots and try to create trouble and squash it. But then there's the Romans who don't understand them at all because they say they worship one God and the Romans are like, but there's many gods and we have all of our pagan practices and our idols and our temple worship and our, and our sexual rites and all kinds of things. And so they looked at these followers of Jesus as kind of weird, like they don't allow idols, they only have one God. How do you do life with that? They have very strict sexual ethics. And so if you're following Jesus, your closest religious cousins didn't accept you and the people in the society in which you live are suspicious of you and think you're weird. 
combined with some of your friends dying that we read about in 1 Thessalonians, it would leave you feeling like war-torn, isolated, discouraged, anxious, maybe fearful, maybe even wanting to give up. And in that context, Paul writes this letter so that we also know that when followers of Jesus are facing hardships and trials, we need to encourage them. We're going to talk about this in two ways today. Okay, the first point of how we're going to do this is by encouraging them. So there's a slide for that. First, you're going to encourage others by expressing thankfulness to them for what they've done. Right? We see this in verse 3. You can put verse 3 on the screen. He says, we ought always. That, that word in like old English would be obliged. And, and rightly. He's saying, I can't help it. It's not just that we should. He's like, I must. I have to. I'm obliged to. I've got to tell you how thankful I am for you. That's what's coming out of Paul's heart to the people. He's overflowing with thankfulness and needs to let them know. And he's thankful because of their faith that is growing and their love that is increasing. And so, growing faith. Let's think about that for a second, right? I'm encouraged by that because I see that in you. I see growing faith in you all. Groups that are listening to the Bible in chronological order in a year. And then in a text group about it, sharing and encouraging what they're learning with one another. People in Bible studies growing and learning. And in community groups, a greater love for Scripture. A greater desire to be present in worship and worship our God together. I'm encouraged by that. And I hope you are too. He won't like me saying this, I don't think. And I haven't asked him, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, our worship leader today, Cosmos, uh, wrote a letter to the worship teams. And the reason I'm reading part of his letter is because he sent it to the team so they know it. And he's one of your elders who you put, said, yes, make him an elder. And he's a great elder. He's encouraging people, which is what we do. And he's an encouragement to me. So I appreciate him. And I want you to hear a little bit of his heart encouraging the people who are leading you in worship. He said this, I wanted to take a moment to express my gratitude to each one of you for your service to the Lord. Does that not sound like what Paul's doing? I, I need to thank you for what you're doing. Your dedication, talent, and passion towards worship ministry at Spring Run has made a significant impact not only on my spiritual journey, but for our congregation. Your harmonious voices, skillful instruments, sharp ears toward mixing sound and running the video section does create an atmosphere that allows our church to connect with God on a profound level. Please note that your commitment to excellence and your tireless efforts to bring forth the beauty of music and video truly shines through. Beyond your musical abilities, I want to acknowledge the heart and authenticity you bring to each service. Your genuine love for God and your desire to lead others into his presence is evident in everything that you do. This is what we're all about as a church, to be an authentic worshiping community that embodies the gospel of Christ and influences others of the same through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Encouraged because of growing faith and love for one another. And our, I see the love, the increasing love for one another in you guys as you're providing meals for people, as you're helping people to network and find jobs for others, as you're teaching life skills to young men who are growing up and need to learn them, as ladies who are serving and giving time at real life to befriend people. You'll hear some of their stories in the weeks to come. 
I see you give time to train others to be followers of Jesus. I see a whole group of people in that section over there who are willing to say, we will walk out on this and in fact want to, to start a new church in Amelia County by faith, trusting that God's going to do a great thing. By the way, if you're new or visiting and you live in Amelia or you like Amelia or you know anybody in Amelia, you need to, you need to talk to them and, and be about helping starting a church. I'm encouraged by the missionaries that we support who come and give us updates like JJ did, Foster did a few weeks ago and the ministries that we support locally, Young Life and so many others. I'm encouraged by Wellspring Christian Counseling that, that we partner with missionally and they use our space and, it's, and our own people who are the counselors. They do such great stuff and it goes behind the scenes because that's what it does. And I'm encouraged by them because they have lives too. Like pastors in a way, right? They have lives and, and they hurt. They're not immune to pain or pressure or the toils of life or the trials that come their way and yet they carry on to love and help others. I'm just encouraged by what I see in our, in our congregation. And we all need encouragement that our faith is seen and that it makes a difference. And I certainly haven't named everything, but you matter. You make a difference. And I want you to know that. Paul goes on to boast about the endurance that they have in the face of the persecution and trials. In verse 4, he says this. We could put that verse on the screen. Notice what he says. I'm boasting about your perseverance. I'm boasting about it. I'm telling others about you. Now, you might hear that and think, well, it's not supposed to be all about them. It's not supposed to be all about them. And it certainly isn't. And Paul gets to that. But, it, but Christ did die for us. He loves us. And we are to do things that are encouraging to others, that are praiseworthy and that are admirable and noble. And so he points out that what they are doing is valuable, that suffering is not meaningless. I mean, notice what he's saying. To boast about perseverance and faith in the persecutions and trials that they're enduring. He's honoring and giving value to suffering and to persecution. He is not saying, you know, these, these are just meaningless and you should avoid them at all costs and um, just do whatever you want. He doesn't say that. He's saying that in that, it is actually good for your faith. That it strengthens and gives you perseverance and endurance to carry on. That's what he is telling them. He in fact says it is evidence in one of the verses that you are counted worthy as being followers of Christ. Who also suffered in that way. He goes on in verse 7 and he talks about when Christ returns, he'll make all things right. And in verse 7, he says, you will get relief one day, yes. And you can pray for relief now, sure, but you may not get it. But you will get relief from those who have troubled you when Christ comes. When Christ returns on that day, that great day of the Lord, that second coming of Christ, when he returns, you will have relief from all of your oppression, suffering, trials, persecution, and troubles. You will have rest. He says, you will finally get rest. Man, how much do we love rest? I mean, isn't that why you go on vacation? Well, hold on, time out. Distinguish two things. There's vacation 
and there's trips. Vacations with all family are fun and great. At least in our family, we've distinguished it this way, but not always restful. Then there's a trip that's a getaway, and that's restful. But anyways, we like those things because we want to do those things because we need a break from what the norm is, and we need to be around at least somebody else to encourage us and love us, and in which we can breathe and go, oh, I feel like I'm rested. And what Paul is saying is, he's like, that day is going to come when you will find rest, and it will never end. So yes, now you're going to face suffering and trials, but endure. Keep going because the rest, the vacation, the trip, heaven is coming. Not only does he say that, you should rest assured that God is just. In verse 6, he says that God will actually repay those who brought persecution against you. Yeah. That, that's, that's serious. And Paul's saying, God will make it right. He will repay the troublemakers, those who have persecuted you. And that includes nations, like Paul thinking about the whole text of the Bible, right? Nations that had opposed Israel in the Old Testament. You may remember this, right? They stopped them as they were trying, or wouldn't allow them to try to go and enter the promised land the way God told them. And God says, I, I'm holding that against that nation because they persecuted you. And Paul is now saying then, in the church, in the New Testament time, then those who oppose the church will be punished also. He is saying that in, those who don't know God and who reject the gospel of Jesus, as it said, I think, in verse 8, right? Those who are against the church will face the justice of God. And I've said this before in recent weeks. It's not considered popular to talk about God as being a righteous judge, judge, a one who will fight for justice, one who will make all people hold to account. And the reason it's not popular to talk about that is because nobody wants to be held to account. You can hold somebody else to account, just not me. But what if it was your kids in the school that got shot? What if it was your daughter that was taken? Wouldn't you want justice? Wouldn't you say, yes, something needs to be done. God is the one who is just and will banish the bullies from the playground forever so that heaven will be perfectly pure and righteous and peaceful and enduring. But he's also a God who is gracious and merciful. And that we must remember because we are the ones that would face justice if it were not for the mercy and grace of God. Boy, I hope you get that. I hope you get that, really. Like, that's game changer. Like, if you get that, Christian. If you don't get that, not yet Christian. There's a big line there. Let me move on to my second main point. Second main point is this. How you're going to encourage others is you're going to encourage them by praying constantly for them to carry on and letting them know about it. Now you may say, Pastor, I think when I pray, those are my private things and I pray those and I, that's just what I do in, in private and that's true. That's, I'm not saying that's, you can't do that. What I am saying today specifically is saying, I want you to see what Paul is doing. What does it say in verse 11? Let's put that on the screen. He says, 
that he is praying constantly. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you. Let me ask you two questions. What is Paul doing? He is praying constantly. And what else is Paul doing? Step back. He's writing a letter to them telling them he is praying for them. Right? They know it. He wants them to know he is praying for them. It is good and right for you to pray and pray your own personal prayers. And sometimes you don't tell everybody what you're praying. I get that. That's good. But it is also good and right and valuable what Paul is telling us that one of the ways we are going to encourage people is to pray for them and let them know that we are praying for them. Prayer is our secret weapon. It's our secret weapon as followers of Jesus and we often neglect it. Why do they spend so much time praying? Why does he say constantly or, or daily or continually? This is the idea of this. Remember last week we were talking about this, this conversational way with God just saying, okay, we're, we're talking. It's not like we, remember last week I said, we don't have to just walk like two steps and stop. Oh, I got to pray continually, stop and pray. And like walk another, oh, I got to stop and pray. That's not what he means. It's this relationship where you're constantly like, okay, God, what is it that you have for me? Or I need to tell you this that's going on or confess this or ask help for this. Prayer is this, it's like you do with other people. You have relationship. Only you have that with God and it's ongoing and it's constant. It's daily. Why do they do that? Because they know it's real. There is a relationship. And secondly, that it has power. They know there is power to prayer. That's why they give so much time to praying. For those of you who are engineers and trying to gain efficiency in everything you do, you probably struggle to realize the value of prayer because you pray and then you look up and you're like, I don't see any difference and I just wasted five minutes or whatever. Maybe you don't say that. Not to throw all engineers under the bus. You have tire tracks on your back? I don't know. Like, it's easy to think prayer is a waste of time and I am here to tell you prayer is not a waste of time. It is your secret weapon to call for the help of the Spirit because you don't have the strength to carry on. It is saying, I can't do it alone, God. I need your help. And the truth is, you need his help more than you think you need his help. A whole lot more. Because you only see a little piece of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg, and God's like, you don't even know the half of it. You need it. One more thing about Kaz's letter, it also encouraged them to pray for someone in the church and to pray for salvation of our community and the missions work across the globe. I'll leave Kaz alone now. I, I get a message every week from somebody who prays for me saying, praying for you. And it is so encouraging to have that because we said, okay, let's pray for each other. And it's encouraging because I know that, that they're praying for me and they're remembering to do it. And I also know that it reminds me to pray for them. And then I do that. And I'm not as good about sending the message and encouraging. But it's an encouraging thing. I'm so thankful for the ladies who gather here every week. It's, you don't know about them because you wouldn't see them. They're here and you don't see them. But they pray for the church. They pray for people every week. I'm grateful for the officers who pray in their meetings for the work of the church and for the people. I'm grateful for the community groups who pray 
together and Bible studies who pray together. This church is being blessed and it is growing and I'm telling you it is in no small part due to the prayers of the people saying, God, you must do your thing here. And if I can be so bold, I might step on some toes. I once had a custodian at one of the schools we met in at church. He said, you know what my pastor says? If I'm stepping on your toes, move your feet. If you're not praying, you're not acting like a follower of Jesus. No ifs, ands, or buts. If you're not praying, you are not acting like a follower of Jesus. Why do I say that? Because prayer is fundamentally this talk to God. Okay, God. And it is saying, I need spiritual help. And if you are not praying, you are not asking for spiritual help. What you are saying to God is like, I think I got it figured out. I finally got it figured out. I can do this on my own. Thank you. Have a nice day. I've grown up. I can make it. No, you can't. Don't do that. You cannot go into war with that attitude. You cannot face the persecutions that will come, the suffering that will be on your way, the doctor's news when you visit that says it's back and it's worse than before. You cannot face that on your own. If you're not praying, you're not acting like a follower of Jesus. Just ask for his help. Paul prays, as we said there in verse 11, the other thing, if you'd put that back on the screen, we'll see two things that he prays for. He prays for a renewed passion and a renewed action. Notice that. He's praying for every desire for goodness, those desires, those passions within, and every deed prompted by faith. Those things you're going to do, those works, those acts you take on. Paul is praying and he's saying, I am praying for you and praying for your passion and your actions. The things you think, feel, and do. The way the gospel is shaping your head, your heart, and your hands. That's what he wants to see in life. Desires are important, right? Life should be ordered in such a way under God that it controls not only our actions but our desires too. We can have desires that are wrong and sinful. We can have desires that are good. We all have strong desires. It's the way we're made. We have strong desires for food because without it we starve. We have strong desires for friendship, for sex, for power, to do something, to control something, to create. We have all these desires and passions within us. Just because you have a desire does not make it good or the truest part of you. Some desires are not healthy desires. All good things can be misused and then not be used for good. So Paul is praying for their desires. And I pray for my desires. I pray for our desires as a church that they would be desires that are good according to God in the way that we act. But boy, like this is an area that's tough, right? And it's tough across the board for all of us. I mean, right, if we're really to look at the Bible and think about what desires do when we, when we binge into our desires and what that allows for, how we use those to either enjoy and find pleasure or cope. Like there's a lot of things there, right? 
I mean, gluttony. But man, I love to eat. I can put on like eight pounds in a weekend. Drinking, getting drunk, having sex outside of marriage, using power to manipulate and control people, using friendships to get what you want, but not being a friend back, not listening. I mean, all these things that we do on our desires. What does it mean to have a good desire, a right desire? That's something we should pray for in our lives. Because here's the thing, is you're not just brains on a stick. Your desires are what move you. And when God starts working in your heart on your desires, it starts shaping the way you live. And that flows out of that. It's an important thing. And you need community. You need a community of followers of Jesus who are going to encourage you with their words of thanks. They're going to pray for you. Maybe when you are too discouraged to pray for yourself, they're going to pray for you. I need you. I am thankful for you, for each and every one of you. I pray for our renewed passion and action to be contagious and that Christ would be glorified in us. Yeah, that Christ would get the glory in it, which is where Paul ends in this with verse uh, 10 and 12, but let's put verse 10 on the screen. He says, on that day that he comes, this is referring to Jesus when he comes again, he will be glorified in his holy people, that's us, and to be marveled at among all those who have believed, which Paul says that includes you because you believed our testimony. Notice how encouraging he is being here and what he is doing. And he is saying that when Christ comes back, he will be glorified in us, in what his church has been doing, and he will be glorified in us because he will make us perfect forever to reflect his glory perfectly. In other words, yes, we can encourage people, but Christ will get all the glory because it is his church and it is his spirit that is working in you and in me to bring us together and to lead us to walk in his ways. And then he says, and on that day, we're going to all stand there with like mouths open in awe. To Christ to be marveled at. To be marveled at. In awe of. I mean, think of that. Consider that. Can you picture the billions and billions of people throughout history marveling at the glory and majesty of Christ? A part of your marvel and wonder, I hope, is that you get to heaven and you see somebody there who you're like, oh, what? They made it? prayed for them. I told them about Jesus, but I swear I didn't think they were going to make it. Wow. Jesus, you are good. I made it. What? This is awesome. Will we be captivated in awe and marvel at the glory of God? We marvel at so many things in life. Parker and Haley Hancock this week, I saw them and saw little baby Miles. They're in awe, just like, oh my gosh, I can't stop looking at him. Like, this is amazing. I'm sure Jeremy's the same way, and he can tell you about that. Like, amazing, this is in so awe of this newborn baby. 
Jeremy's a grandparent, and he's marveling and awing in that, as is Janelle. See, right? Filled with joy. Filled with joy. There's so many things in life that make us awestruck. I remember the first time I saw, well, the only time, but the first time, when you let me go on sabbatical, and I got to go see the Grand Canyon, and I stood there at the rim, and I was just like, wow, it's so big. It's so big. Like, I, I couldn't come up with any other words, just, wow, it's a big hole in the ground. It's amazing. It's huge. It's grand. Oh, wait, that's what they call it. And I remember when we saw a storm roll across, I have a picture of this. We were standing one evening on the brow, and you can see the timestamp at the bottom because it was video. And the storm was so far on the other side, we could barely hear the thunder. We just saw the rain, and we were seeing the lightning, like, I don't know, probably 15 miles away or something. And in the video, we caught several lightning strikes dropping and hitting spots in the canyon. And so, captured it that way. In awe, like, whoa. And it was so cool because the storm wasn't anywhere near us. We were fine. We can stay up there and watch it. I'm like, oh, look at that. That's amazing. And the other thing when I was awestruck was when I walked into the gift shop at the South Rim there and saw this sign right next to the canyon wall from Psalm 124. I don't know. It says, oh, Lord. I can't read it on that small screen. Oh, Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. Psalm 124. And then the prayer. Father Almighty, wonderful Lord, wondrous creator, be ever adored. Wonders of nature, sing praises to you. Wonder of wonders. I may praise you too. So there I am in awestruck and reminded that this it's a dim reflection of the awe and the majesty of Christ. The glory that will one day be. You and I crave being struck, being awestruck by the next thing. The next adventure. The next mountain scene. The next new life that is born. What Paul is saying is all your sufferings, all your persecutions, all your hardship... It's okay because get ready to be awestruck by the glory and majesty of Christ. It will be better than anything you've ever had. You won't find anything better. Ever. Forever. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you will indeed help us to be people who are awestruck by you. People who are conformed to be like you moving in our head hands and hearts to walk in your ways and follow your ways spirit of the, of the living God do this in us we pray in Jesus name amen our ushers are going to come forward at this time to collect the offering